Amen. Amen. You know, I'm going to um, change things up as I feel led, and that's okay, right? That's okay. Yeah. David, won't you come up a second, please? Um, I wanted to ask David if he wanted to share. You know, David's a good friend. He's done a lot of mission trips with the same organization that I have, and unfortunately, he's going to be leaving town soon, but that's not the reason I'm having him up here. Um, he had a testimony up. He, he's moving back to Tennessee, where he's originally from. They apparently, he keeps telling me they don't wear shoes in Tennessee. Gotta get, these are rented. These are rented shoes? Okay. Any case. <laughs> this is why we love David. <laughs> Any case, Dave, you had a testimony happen to you. Before I tell the testimony, Ethan said if they clean the inside of the cars, they're not automatically clean on the outside. <laughs> so he's not got to. Um, I also want to say, T and I kid each other a lot about him being so short. And he is short, but he's one of the biggest men I've ever met. And I love him and going to miss him. So. Uh, friend I've known most of my life, um, or before I went back a couple weeks ago to take furniture, was diagnosed with cancer, be the fourth round of breast cancer. Already taken the cyst out or whatever you want to call it, the knot, and, and got the results. And So I heard about it, and they didn't have anybody go to the doctor with them the next day, so I said, I'll, I'll go with you. But the night before, um, we're at my sister's house, and she was over there, and I said, can I pray for you? And she said, sure. And so I started, and Tennessee doesn't believe in healing. I'm just telling you. They'll put you in a straight, straight jacket if you start talking about healing. They just don't buy it. But, so as I started praying, I made my way around, laid my hands on her, and started praying for healing in her life. And she went and got the dye test Friday morning, and I went back with her Friday afternoon to find out the results, and she was 100% cancer-free. <laughs> and they went and took the cyst, that caused the dye test and got the wrong cyst. They meant to get another one, which turned out to not have cancer. So had they got that one instead, there wouldn't have been any follow-up. So it's just amazing how God had already started the process of working that, and just glory to God. This is all about glory to God. And uh, Tennessee is gonna be a great crown for me to be in. I'm gonna miss you all a lot, a lot. So, uh, but there's things I'd like to do. And, that's one of it. You know, nobody came around me and prayed or laid their hands on because they just don't believe in it, but they got to see it. So, praise God. Well, we Dave, you're always welcome here. We love brother. you. This is a good man right here. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> He's a missionary at heart and in practice. Amen. Yes. You know, God, obviously, there's never, you know, there's, there's never been a day of miracles. There's only ever been a God of miracles. And the Bible tells us very clearly He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God has always healed and he will always heal. So thank God. In fact, on that point, remember we have Healing University and they will be Sunday afternoons, 5 p.m. right here in the cafe. Um, Keith and Sue uh, moderate and facilitate for us and so on. So um, that's, well, that will be happening at 5 p.m. as per usual. Amen. And if you miss out, chat with Keith, but it is happening because some people do not have plans already right. for the day. Right. Amen. And listen, if you miss one, that's okay. It's so rich, packed, full. Healing you so full of really great teaching. And if you come to it, you'll, you'll see. I know a bunch of you already are there. But so just want you to mention that. Amen. Well, we're going we're gonna to get rolling with this message. I, I, I know that it's amazing how God, by His Spirit, leads our worship team so we're so grateful for Kyle who coordinates and every one of our worship team because they pour in a lot to, to, to help lead us into the worship. And so we're grateful for that. But I tell you what, each one of those songs are so just spot on today. It is a Resurrection Sunday, and this is what Christianity is about. You know, Easter, um, we get to celebrate the resurrection power. We spoke about there's power in the cross. There's power in his blood. But do you know that there's religions that take that into a physical thing? I've been to places in the world where... You know, they'll sell you little slivers of the cross, right? You know, you can pick up certain things and they'll tell you, this is a real piece of the cross. There's magical sort of power in this. And this will really give you power. Everyone remember, what was it, Raiders of the Lost Ark? You know, that it's funny how man will turn anything, any relic into apparent power. But that's not where the power of the cross is. That's not where the power of the blood is. It's not, it's not there, and we're going to talk a little bit about that um, today. So the message that, uh, the title that I had in my heart was Taste and See. 
taste and see. And, and um, the reason I picked that is, as you know, many of you know my story, my history, traveled a fair amount, I've been to a, a number of countries around the world and, and been blessed that way for different reasons. Some were mission trips and some were with the military back then and some with whatever. Um, but I love meeting cultures and people. And, and, and one thing is fascinating, when you experience a different culture or you, do, you experience a different flavor, how many of you like going to, to other places for flavors? Some people want to stay with a plain old American hamburger, but other people want to say, hey, you know what, I want to taste something different. And there's all kinds of fruit that aren't in here. There's all kinds of meals. You know that the bread is different in every country? The bread is different. It's not the same as Walmart bread. I mean, when I was in Turkey, I was like, man, the bread here is really different. Or the bread in Mozambique. Man, that was also very different. But everything has different. And, and you really can't explain a flavor. Have you ever tried to explain a flavor? Have everybody ever tasted a banana? Yes, I do say banana. 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 <clears throat> you, it is, it's a hard flavor to describe. If somebody, and I, I actually read once about the history of bananas when they came to Europe because they were obviously a tropical fruit. And, and can you imagine trying to explain a flavor in the 14, 1500s whenever they brought it? It's like, you've got to taste this yellow fruit that they're bringing in. It's called the banana, whatever they called it, named it. How does it taste? Well, it tastes like a banana. <laughs> you know, you really can't, you really can't explain a taste. And 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 there's there's so many cultures and experiences that are like that 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 words fail because the experience just has to be there. You have to be there to taste and see and experience. And and this um this beautiful passage you've heard the, the scripture, but in Psalm 34 verse 8 it says. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. He is good. Taste and see. You know, I believe, I sincerely believe this, that if the world knew how good God is, that sinners and saints alike will be running into his presence. But sadly, people stay away from church and away from organized, quote-unquote, religion and all of these things for a reason because they've had such bad experiences with God. He's, he's portrayed as this, this demented ogre or who's got this, this ability or desire to crush, hurt, give pain. Uh, and, 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 and that's just not who God is. And sadly, religion is responsible for a lot of those images. And I use the word religion carefully because this is not religion right? We, we're in a relationship with, with Jesus Christ. We are in a relationship with God. We aren't serving God out of obligation to try and earn something with him, from Him. And, and, and so when, when we taste and see, when, you, when we taste and experience, when, we, when you personally taste, my gosh, that's how good God is, it makes you want to go back for more. It makes you want to run back for more. It makes me think of the story of the prodigal son. You know, it's kind of funny. I, I, I love the story, and, and we really sh can't do it justice this morning. But that story is actually not the story of the prodigal son. I know many Bibles say that. But it's, it starts out the passage, and it says this. It says, a man had two sons. And then Jesus, who is actually talking to religious Pharisees, he's talking to religion right there. And he tells a story of the lost, coin, the, lost, the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son in Luke 15. And when he gets to the, the story of, the, of, the pro, of the, what we call the prodigal, he tells the story about this, this kid who went wayward and who really, you know, after he had spent his inheritance, he was sitting, you know, with the pigs and he was hungry and he thought he, he did not want to go back to his dad to repent, just so you know. He, had no, he, he did not desire to repent and turn from his sin. He said to himself, you know what? My dad looked after his servants way better than I'm being looked after here. I'm not even getting food here. I'm going to go back, and I'm going to go and ask him just if I can work. He wasn't planning on saying sorry. Except when he got even close, his dad sees him way off, runs towards him runs towards him, scoops him up in his arms, loves on him, and he starts his rehearsed little saying, saying, oh, I just want, he's like, psh, 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 psh. and he just loves, in unconditional love all over this kid. This kid, remember, who was not going to say, I'm sorry. He was just kind of coming back for a job. 
He gets loved on. Next thing, he's got this, the ring, the family ring on his family. He's got family feet. He's got a robe. His dad's clothed. He, he's having a, a, a beast slaughtered for him, a party celebration. Guess what is going to happen in his heart? Change. Repentance is going to flow. Repentance follows when you know the goodness of God. Repentance literally means to change your mind. He changed his mind real quick about his dad. You see, he probably thought his dad was mean. He probably thought his dad was selfish. And, and, and so what do you think might have happened to the prodigal if he ran into his older brother on the way home? Remember? The one that got all upset because of the party and said, you've wasted and you don't know what he's been doing, blah, 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 blah. And don't you, blah, blah. you know what? Unfortunately, I think the world is there. We have a lot of older brothers in the church. And yet God is willing to chase after the one. It doesn't matter how far you have gone. God will chase after you. He will scoop you up in his arms. He will show you how good he is. Amen. You, you know, even in that same story, the older brother, he had been with the dad the whole time. He even said, I've been here all the time. And you've never thrown me a party. But, you know, in the beginning of the story, it says he divided the inheritance between them. The older brother got everything that the younger brother didn't take. So later on in the story, when the, the, the dad says, everything that I have is yours, it literally was the brothers. But the brother was not experiencing anything of it because he had not taken ownership of it. He had not understood his relationship. He had not understood what his dad had given him. Right, he was he working. Was bitter a, yeah. and twisted in his dad's house. Yeah. And that is a sign of religion. That right, he is was working what for what God already gave him freely. Exactly. Well, his dad gave him freely, but in the situation, it's, it's powerful, that story, is in so, so many ways. You know, um, you know Jesus, we celebrate, we celebrate what Jesus done on the cross. Of course, the Jewish religion, we, we use the same weekend. That's why changes of, of course, Passover or Pesach happens this weekend or this week, this following week, Passover. And, um, you, you know, where Jesus was on the cross that, that day, of course, you know, many of you have heard this, but he, he uttered one Greek word um, that is translated into three English words, right? He said these words in John 19, verse 30. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. He bowed his head and gave up his spirit. That is a single Greek word um, translated in the, tr in the New Testament, and it's called tetelestai. And many, many of you know this word, tetelestai, but it means paid in full. It is literally the same word that accountants would have used in the day when, they, when a bill was settled. They would literally write paid in full. It has been finished. It is settled. That is the term, paid in full, settled, tetelestai. When Jesus said those words, the debt has been paid. The debt has been paid. In fact, it is such a powerful word that even the tense of the word is powerful. And in, I, I, I read this, um, and I'm going to read it straight out of the a study Bible. So just uh, bear with me a second here. In Greek, um, the, the perfect tense in English describes an action which is viewed as having been completed in the past. Listen to this. Once and for all, not needing to be repeated. Jesus' last cry from the cross, tetelestai, it is finished, is a good example of the perfect tense. It says this, namely, it has been accomplished completely once for all time. Once for all time. Derek Prince says it this way. He says, it's the perfect tense in the verb, which means to do it perfectly. Sometimes, or somebody translated this one, it is perfectly perfect or completely complete. So not only is the word, the debt is being paid, the debt is settled, but it's also once for all time. It's in the perfect tense. That is powerful because Jesus will never go to the cross again. The perfect, you know, do you know when Jesus went to the cross, right? How many years ago, more or less? A couple thousand, right? Two thousand, call it. Actually less, but close to. In fact, very close to right now. We're getting, in the next ten years or so, it'll probably be a very, very accurate to around where Jesus, two thousand years. So in less than two thousand years ago, 
Jesus went to the cross. He paid this ultimate sacrifice. And the, and the word of God teaches us so much about the finished and completed work of what Jesus accomplished on that cross. And it is super, super powerful. I mean, 2,000 years ago, he said, it is finished. The debt has been paid. When we talk about the power of the blood, when we talk about the power of the cross, this is where we extract the power of the cross. This is where we learn, and the cross can have, can have power in our lives today for whatever it is that you're facing. If you're facing a financial issue or a health issue or whatever it is, we have got this power in the truth of what Jesus finished. It is finished, right? What he finished in that perfect work on the cross. Yeah, such a powerful truth. I remember the first time I heard the, the concept of chronos time and kairos time. Chronos time is the tick, tick, tick regular clock, right? A chronos is a, a, a chronometer or a watch, right? It's just passing. But kairos time is the harvest time, the maturity time. It is the moment, the pinnacle, the reason time. Like when you're pregnant, right? When it's time, everybody knows what that means, right? It is time. And the Bible says, now is the day. Today is the time. Today is the time of your salvation. Not that it's not to tomorrow, but today is the Kairos moment. And today is the day to say, okay, hold on. I'm paying more attention in this moment than Oh, we're going to have a bunny in a couple minutes. Or I've got an Easter roast in the thing. Now is the time for your full attention. Amen. Amen. You know, um, some people who have been exposed to a lot of religion have had this feeling. And, and, and as they walk with longer with Jesus, they kind of feel like, yeah, you know, God had only forgiven my past sins when I came to the cross, when I came to that day. And maybe for some people, maybe it was 10 years ago, five years ago. For others, it might have been 15 years ago, 20 or 50 years ago. But they feel it's up to them since that time to sort of deal with it. They feel, they carry a burden. They feel like, I feel like I've let God down. I feel like I've disappointed him. I still feel like there's things between me and God because I've got unconfessed sin in my life. Well, do you know that God has dealt with your sin and is not counting your sin against you? Do you know that every sin that you've ever would have committed, will commit, and the sin of the world was placed on Jesus. We sang it today, that he carried every curse. Galatians 3.13 says that. He became a curse for us. We don't need to carry the curses. That, and, and, if, and if we study all of that in, in, in depth and go to Deuteronomy 28 and we read all about the curses, that if you kept the law, you could do this and get all these benefits. But if you didn't keep the law, these would be the curses. Jesus, it says, became a curse for us. That The, the, the power of what Jesus did, and, and, and we're going get to get to why it is just so powerful here in a second. I'm kind of antsy. Sorry, I'm excited to jump. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when we were planning this service, we were specifically talking about that concept of the hollow Easter bunny, right? It's got nothing inside. It feels empty. It looks good on the outside, but it's not full of goodness. And when Jesus came, he said that he has come to give us life and life more abundantly. He isn't satisfied with us just getting a little bit. He really has poured out everything that we need for all life and godliness, not just for Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights or when it's appropriate. All the time, he has given you everything that you need for life and godliness. Okay, so I wanted to launch into this powerful truth. And many of you have heard this term, but I think that this is, you know, I was just about to say, I was make a bunny funny, but perk up your ears, right? Okay. You know, you got the, how many of you like to bite in a bunny ear? Everybody wants the bunny ear, right? Anyhow, but, but, but listen up, because this is where the power is, in the cross. 
One, it is understanding what Jesus accomplished in his death, burial, what he defeated in the grave, through the grave. There's a lot in understanding that Jesus did this powerful work when he rose from the grave. Um, I mean, yeah, I've got to be careful. I'm, 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 I'm antsy that... You're going to have to come back for part yes. two because uh, Shannon's got more and yeah. more more. Right. So Shannon is filled to overflowing, which is one <laughs> of the reasons that we said we've got to try and keep this brief. Right. We want to keep it brief, so I'm trying. So we, so we can do that. And just so you know, there's never going to be a day when Shannon's not overflowing. Like <laughs> you can get him in the hallway or the parking lot or the store, and he's going to just... <laughs> man i tell you what it, it's so good though man taste and see god is so good he will radically transform your life but okay um isaiah 53 now isaiah i don't know if you know this but isaiah his actual name the prophet isaiah the name isaiah means jehovah who saves wow. he is the prophet of salvation and when you read Isaiah through the book of Isaiah from beginning to end, um, it is a powerful, it's a, it got so much about redemption and about God's saving grace and power, you know, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. He talks about the covenant of peace that God was going to give us. He was just like, you know, Noah had the sign of the covenant of the rainbow. God says, I'm making an eternal covenant. I'm going to make, I won't be angry with you. I'm going to make a new covenant with you. Those are important words. Whenever you hear the words new covenant, listen up. Because it's about his means. Something is coming. The old is going away. And a new covenant is coming, right? And so he says, there's going to be a new covenant I'm going to make with you. And it's going to be a covenant of peace. Not like the old one. So whenever you hear those words, new covenant. But in Isaiah 53, many of you know the scripture because it's so powerful. It describes Jesus' death on the cross and what he was going to do. And, and, and I'm not going to go into a lot of it. But verse 5 and 6 of Isaiah 53 says this. But he was pierced for our transgression, and he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. That is, that is a, a powerful verse, but I'm going to, let's just read verse 6. We'll go back to this a little bit. All we, like sheep, have gone astray and have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, it takes a little bit of stewing in these two verses because it is loaded to the gills with good stuff. It is stuffed full of good stuff. Because one, it says that whose transgressions? Ours, right? If I go back to verse 5, it says he was pierced for our transgressions. He was pierced for ours. So I'm going to ask you a very simple question. You don't have to answer out loud, but in your mind. Whose transgressions? ours, right? Not somebody else's. Let's personalize that. Remember, for Scripture to be powerful, you've got to make it personal and present tense. So he was pierced for my, my transgressions. He was crushed, crushed for my iniquities upon him. Now, I want you to look at those words. Upon who? Him. Upon him was the chastisement that brought me peace. And but with his wounds, his wounds, we or I am healed. Okay. Then it goes into verse 6. All we. How many of us? All. All we. In verse, and he says, like sheep have gone astray and have turned. There he says it again. Everyone. Does that leave anybody out? How about Pope Francis or Mother Teresa? Everyone. Everyone. To his own way. And here we go again. The Lord has laid on him. Laid on who? Jesus. Him. The iniquity of me or us all. Yeah. So look, look at what we're seeing in this verse. We're seeing what is called the great exchange. The great exchange. We see th th there's again that it was he took... He was, he was punished for our transgressions. Now, there are so many scriptures in the New Testament that, that confirm this, and I have got them here, that I could sit down with you and we'd have to do a life group because they are so powerful when you go and unpack them. But for the sake of people wanting to get to 
Easter lamb or roasts or chickens or whatever you, we're having or bunnies. But, but it is powerful that, that God has taken the sin of the world and placed it on Jesus. So we see this great exchange. Now, I'm going to go jump over back to the New Testament because remember, what is, reveal, what, what is revealed in the New Testament clearly was only a shadow in the Old Testament. So we see this forecast or, or prophesied by the prophet Isaiah. He says, this is going to be the suffering servant. This is what he's going to actually accomplish on that day, on that Easter day and that resurrection day and through his death, burial, and resurrection. This is what was going to happen. So, so in 2 Corinthians 5... We, we see this, and um, I'm going to read verse 17 from 2 Corinthians 5. Now, many of you know this one. If it, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Now, anyone who comes to Jesus, anyone, anyone who comes to Jesus is made a new creation. Okay, right. And then it says this, the old has passed away, behold, the new has come. Or then all this is from God. Okay, now. Okay, listen up for these words. There is going to be the word reconciliation used countless times, a bunch of times, a, a load full of times here. That word that we see in, in I'm reading out the English, uh, the, the ESV here, that word reconciliation is the Greek word katalaso, which literally means exchange. If you had your, pulled up your blue letter Bible and go and look at the Strong's or whatever version, you will see that the Greek word literally means exchanged. So here, whenever you see the word reconcile, translate it in your mind, or we can do it here, exchanged. Okay, so here we go. In verse, so in verse 18, all this is from God, who through Christ exchanged us to himself and gave us the ministry of exchanging. That is, he's about to explain it in depth, in Christ, God was exchanging the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them. Uh-oh. What? I, I don't know about you. I've got to pause here for a sec. But I can't tell you, when I was stuck in religion years ago, nobody told me that God is not counting my sins against me. In fact, most evangelists I heard told me, God is counting your sins against you. But you know, I've got another bunch of verses. So if you didn't believe me, I can load them off here. Mm -hmm. There's a bunch in the Hebrews, and we can go through them, where God literally is no longer counting men's sins against them. That is the power of the good news. So in, in, I'm going back to verse 19 here. He says, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the ministry of exchange. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, making his appeal through us, we implore you on the behalf of Christ, be exchanged to God. Okay, you ready for this one? Buckle up. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Do you see the exchange? God took him who had no sin. John the Baptist looked at Jesus when he first saw him the day he was going to be baptized by John the Baptist. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God, the perfect Lamb. Passover, what is being celebrated today and this week by Jews. The perfect Lamb who would take away the sin of the world. In fact, when you study Hebrews, man... Hebrews is a, such an exciting, my hair gets all standing up you know, because Hebrews is such a powerful book because it explains this in depth, that those old sacrifices were just a picture, were just a picture of what God was going to do. The lamb, it says that the blood of lambs and bulls and goats couldn't take away sin, so they had to do it every year. Every year they had to do it, go back again, do it again. Do it again, every year. That's not the tetelestai, it is finished. Right, yeah, exactly. They had to do it again. But then it says, it says it so beautifully, and if you go and read in, in Hebrews chapter um, 9 and 10, particularly, it says that once and for all. He took away once and for all, tetelestai, once and for all. Man, he comes in. And he takes the blood. Now, now, this is the beauty 
if you do, we have to, we believe, and, and this, this penny dropped for me just at the Overflow Conference, but Jesus, it says in, in, in Hebrews chapter 2, that he was made like us, like one of his brothers, he was made like us in every way, that he could be the perfect high priest. Follow me with this for a second. Jesus became like us. He became a man. He emptied himself, according to Philippians 2, of his divinity. Was he still divine? Certainly. But he emptied himself of all of his divine power and ability. He took on the very nature of a servant. Becoming, he became like us as human. Jesus became a man. Jesus of Nazareth was anointed by the Spirit, it says in Acts 10, 38. A man was anointed by God. There's so much there we could go into, right? But here we see that Jesus was taken. After the, this, this, this death experience, after he defeated death, hell, and the grave, and every one of our sins, after he took every curse in his flesh, on his body, on that cross, every curse exchanged. Say the word exchanged. exchanged. You don't need to carry a curse. Or a sickness, or a disease, or guilt. or guilt, or shame, exchanged. Praise God. So, but you see, when Jesus exchanged us, this perfect Lamb, like John the Baptist said, who took away the sin of the world, He took His blood. Now, remember in the garden, remember one of the accounts after the resurrection. There's one account of Mary coming up to Jesus, and He says to Mary. He doesn't first, she doesn't first recognize him, right? She thinks it's the gardener. He's different. He's the same, but different. She recognizes him after a bit because he says, Mary. And she's like, this is the Lord. And she wants to, and he says, don't touch me. He's not doing an MC Hammer thing kind of thing. He's just saying, he's just saying, he says, don't touch me. He says, I've not taken, I've not taken my blood yet. He's not, I've not ascended to the heaven because he, remember the whole, and Hebrews teaches us so powerfully, the book of Hebrews. He, what happened in the Old Testament was a shadow in that old Ark of the Covenant. The old Ark of the Covenant that had the angels and, you know, with, with the mercy seat and the blood every year of the animal was slain and was taken and, and it would cover over the nation's sins for one year, one more year. That was all a copy, it says in the book of Hebrews, of the reality that is in the heavens. So Jesus rises from Jesus, I'm going to say this, the man Jesus had to redeem mankind. So God sent his son in the shape, form as a man to defeat death, hell, and the grave as a man and take man's blood to the heavens and puts mankind's blood on the heavenly altar, holy of holies, mercy seat, so that once and for all, the sin of the world can be taken away. Powerful, right? That's powerful. Mankind has been redeemed because God sent his son to become a man. Now, I said, these pieces, we could pick, pack them out because that's Hebrews 2, talking about our brother and then talking about his blood. And Hebrews 8, 9, and 10, talk about all of these. It's, the picture is beautiful. Man had estranged themselves from God. Man had given up. Man had broken the covenant with God, right? And it was only a man that can redeem it. But God sent his son as a man. Jesus came as a man. And I'm going to start a new series soon where I'm going to be talking about that, about the Word of God and how he, the Word became flesh and dwelt for a while among us and why. So that'll, that, that, I believe, is one of the most powerful things after this. <laughs> but, but he went to the heavenly of, heaven, of holies, the heavenly holy of holies. And, and that's why it says once and for all. The good news, my brothers and sisters, and for the sinners out there, is that God is not holding your sin against you. I want you to hear me very carefully. Because immediately, you're going to say, what, are you saying everybody's born again? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm saying that the debt has been paid, the trespasses have been purged for every single 
human. God is not counting any single human sin against them. Well, Shannon, that means that you're saying that everyone is going to heaven. No, be, listen very carefully. I'm not saying that. Not saying that. Because it says we can only receive by grace through faith we can participate. It was Jesus. How do, how do this exchange happen? Because it's in Christ. We step into Christ. When you are born again and choose Jesus, it's what he comes to live inside of us. He, we choose by faith to have and experience this exchange that is offered to us freely by grace. You know, it's that, that, that is the power of the good news. I want to read this scripture here. This is um, from the Amplified. I uh, haven't given it to Joy. Joy, if you can pull up John chapter 3. I'm going to start reading from 13 all the way down to the end of the chapter. No one has gone up into heaven, but there is one who came down from heaven, the Son of Man himself, whose home is heaven. Just as Moses was lifted up on the bronze serpent in the desert on a pole, so must the Son of Man be lifted up on the cross, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life after physical death and will actually live forever. You guys all know this one. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave his one and only begotten son, so that whosoever believes and trusts in him as Savior shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge and condemn the world, that is to initiate the final judgment of the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes and has decided to trust in him as personal Savior and Lord is not judged. For this one, there is no judgment, no rejection, no condemnation. But the one who does not believe and has decided to reject him as personal Savior is judged already, has already been convicted and sentenced because he has not believed. In other words, up until that point, we have all been judged and condemned. But when you believe, you are set free. This is the judgment that is cause for indictment, the test by which people are judged, the basis for the sentence. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For every wrongdoer hates the light and does not come to the light, but shrinks away from it for fear that his sinful and worthless activities will be exposed and condemned. But whoever practices truth and does what is right comes into the light so that his works may be plainly shown for what they are, accomplished in God. You know what? We have no fear. Everybody has got cobwebs in their corners. And I'm not asking you to tell me what yours are. What I do know is God wants to help us clean out the cobwebs, not keep the cobwebs. But when we cling to what's wasteful and hurtful and robbing us of life, we're saying, no, 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 we are Lord of our lives. Instead of understanding when he brings light to show us what is not working, it's so that he can help us get it working. In other words, he wants to bring wholeness to the places that we cling to our brokenness. He wants to exchange his good for our Miserable, or whatever adjectives you can put. Broken, heartbroken, sick, sorry, miserable. Whatever the adjectives that we feel, hollow, dark, empty. He wants to give us his version, which is all good. Complete light, complete wholeness, complete health, complete love. I think that's a good exchange. Used to switching us off. Yeah, absolutely, it is. A, it's such a it's such a great finished work. You know, when it says in in John sixteen eight, it says that when he comes, he'll convict the world with regard to sin, righteousness, and judgment. Listen to this. Then it says in sin because they do not believe in me. There is only one sin, because sin has been dealt with. There is only one sin that any person will be condemned because, like Karen just said in John three eighteen, because they will stand condemned because they will not believe. They will not choose to take this good God at his word. God who did all of this 
for mankind who sent his son to do all of this for us because he so because he so loved us because he did all of this for his great love there's nothing more god can do the rest is up to us it's our free will to choose it and that's the only thing left if you choose not it or if you know anybody who doesn't choose it this is this is the only choice that can condemn somebody they can either choose to receive this gracious awesome fantastic gift or not can and I share so, that picture that God gave me? Go ahead. You know, if you were in the ocean and you were drowning and somebody threw a life ring to you and you grabbed onto that life ring, did you save yourself? You can answer. Did you save yourself? Yes and no. <laughs> what wouldn't happens, have the life after. <laughs> what happens if you did not grab the life ring? Did you condemn yourself? Yes. Jesus has thrown out his finished work at the cross. When you grab his finished work, you're not saving yourself. He's saving you. But when you're rejecting his finished work, you're condemning yourself. Absolutely. Mm. Let's not be those who say, I'm good, I don't need Jesus. Because there is not one who does not need Jesus. Amen. You know, th this morning, one thing, um, when we, one of the um, things Jesus gave us, I can't even remember the word, sacraments that Jesus gave us, thank you, water baptism, if you believed in him, he said, be baptized in water. Now, water baptism doesn't save anybody. And we, we know that because the thief on the cross couldn't get baptized, right? No. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. You know, Jesus couldn't spit that far, and neither could he be, you know, sorry, uh, just being silly. But, but, but there, he, Jesus did say this on the night that he was betrayed. He says he took bread and broke it. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. And, and so there was this idea that what, what I love about the, the particular, it's, it's mentioned a few times in Scripture and Luke as well, but in, this, in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11, um, we'll go into it. But in, in, um, in fact, I'm going to start re reading in verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of your sin. Isn't that, isn't that what it says there? No. Oh, what? I, I'm pretty sure I always remember it that way. Do this in remembrance of? Who do we remember in communion? Do you remember your sin? Hmm. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant. There's that word, in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of your sin. Uh, no. Remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. For whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in, the, in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then. Now listen, how many of you have been taught you better not eat and drink the bread or the drink the cup until you've got it together if you've got unconfessed sin don't touch the bread because you're going to get judgment that is a terrible terrible translation of it is actually doing the reverse of what this is in. this is what we're remembering is the finished work what we're remembering is the body that was broken for us what we're remembering is the blood in the new covenant what we're remembering is not in our ability. We're remembering what God did for us. So, what, But this is how translators have, have messed us up. It said, let, us examine, let him examine himself. Now, that word is very interesting. It's the word dokimato, um, the word examine. It really is to inspect, in fact, I brought it up, to inspect yourself in the light of approval, to, to recognize as genuine after examination, to approve, to deem worthy Excuse me? Yes, that's what the word examine means. I'm going to read it again. To recognize as genuine after examination, to approve, to deem worthy, or, or recognize. Yeah, exactly. 
I just said it, genuineness after. It's to, to, to see that you, to recognize what Jesus did is the power of the cross. So what we're doing over here, I want you to, to see this in, in going back to the scripture in First, um, in first Corinthians 11. Let, in verse 28, let a person examine himself then and so eat the bread and drink the cup. Now, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. And then it says here, just hold that thought. This is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. Now he's talking to believers. He's Paul writing to the Corinthians church. He says, you all, and listen, they were a very worldly church, pretty much like America today, the Corinthian church, actually. And he's, he's writing to a very worldly church, and he says, listen, this is the reason many of you are weak, sick, and many of you have even died. He says, because you have not recognized the body and the blood of Jesus. He's not, you've not understood the exchange. You've not recognized, you've not, you've not examined yourself in light of approval. You've not deemed yourself worthy. You've not deemed Jesus' sacrifice worthy. You've not realized the fact that your sin, your sickness, your disease, your poverty, your guilt, your shame was taken and put on the Lamb of God. And you have taken on His righteousness, His liberty, His freedom, His health, His wholeness. That is the great exchange. The great exchange. God made Him who had no sin become sin, that in Him we become the righteousness of God. Do you know that once you come to Jesus and you receive him, you become the very righteousness of God? Then you can look at yourself and say, well, where is the sin? Where is the curse? Where is the sickness? It's on Jesus. There is none. That's why we have to continually remind ourselves with this cup of the covenant, with the bread. There's nothing magical in the little wafer or the bread or whatever you use, the cracker or the water, cracker, wine, whatever you use. It's, it's understanding it's understanding this was his body broken, and this was his blood that took it away. This is the new covenant. This is not like the old covenant. This is the new covenant under better promises. In fact, this was even prophesied so many times in Isaiah, and even in the Psalms, when it says that he's the God who forgives all our sin and heals all our diseases in Psalm 103. He's the one who does all of this. And so what we have is the ability to, to recognize. So I'm we ha we're going to do a quick communion here. And don't get, if you're not comfortable with this, you don't have to take part of it. But I'm telling you, everyone is welcome to participate. Everybody is worthy because you deserved it? No. Because Jesus exchanged it for us. So you may have found that at the, at the foot of your chair, right behind your feet and the front leg, on one of those legs there, you'll find one of those little, those little cups. And it's got a little taper, plastic thing on it. And uh, These are called chalices. Chalices. There you go. A little chalices. Ch okay. And I'll give you a, I'll give you a hint here. Uh, you can actually open them without removing the, the little thing all the way. So if you do, when you open it, keep the juice at the top. I shouldn't have to well, say that, but well, we'll do we'll do the bread first, so you may I, want to I make know, I'm sure. I'm just saying, but you can actually open the, the the cracker and let it fall out the bottom. Does anybody is anybody having trouble finding theirs for any reason? If you do, then I want to make sure that you get a cup and somebody helps you. One of the ushers will get one to you, or if you everybody need one. have one. Okay. So now now I'm going to say this again. You don't have to participate. I don't want to make you uncomfortable if you're not comfortable. But I'm letting you know that Jesus died for you. This covenant is for you. And if you have never even received Jesus and Lord as your Lord and Savior, then use this opportunity right now to make that decision in your heart. Okay? Because Jesus, in, and, and there's such powerful imagery. You know that Jesus called himself the bread of life. The bread of life. In fact, the, he was born in Bethlehem, which is the place of bread. The house of bread, actually. Bethlehem, the house of bread. He says, I have given. My body is broken for you. And, and so, he, so many things. In fact, he made a lot of people very mad when he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. You know, he lost a lot of people that day. But he didn't care. Um, church growth 101. 
how to tick off 3,000 people and still carry on going. <laughs> um, anyhow, Jesus said he is the bread of life. And, and he says that we can eat his body. And now, you know, um, some religions talk that this the bread actually becomes the physical body. No, it's recognizing that his body was broken. The curse was taken. So when we, when we take this bread, remember that the curse was taken. Every curse was taken on that body. And what you're doing by consuming that is you're saying imagery that you can, this is where it gets super powerful. Man, Jesus' body I'm, I'm enacting the exchange. He is the one that took my curse, my sickness, my disease, my poverty, everything that well, there's so many scriptures for, right? So when we eat that bread together, you ready? And then we're going to do that with the new covenant. Let's, so if you want to pop the little the, the bread side thing and get out your little cracker. And then uh, Jesus is here. He always is. So Lord Jesus, we thank you that we get to celebrate Resurrection Sunday. And Lord, we... we best way we can appreciate this is to acknowledge what you did on the cross, that finished, finished work. Your body broken for me. Let's eat this together. Just think about that while you're chewing on that little. His body broken for you. Every sin, every disease, every stripe broken And then it says that after supper, he took the, um, the cup. This is a little trickier. But it talks about his blood, and we've spoken about his blood. And we recognize, we're remembering. This whole thing is just about remembering. Just about remembering the new covenant. There was a new covenant made, not like the old. The new covenant in Jesus' blood. And that's the part we participate in. If you've never known Jesus, know that as you do this, you can say, Jesus, I want to join in this body with you and this new covenant with you. Let's drink this together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Remembering this great good news. Amen. It is so good. It is so good.